Hallelujah. Give the Lord another good shout of praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. We want to welcome all of our online viewers today watching by live stream. Thank you for joining us. My, my, my. My, my, my. Hallelujah. What a wonderful service it's already been. Praise God. Open your Bibles to Psalm 115. And this is my third session on the prophetic word for 2020. And I want to remind you that the Lord said... That he will open a new door and supernatural increase will come to us as never before. Eric asked me earlier this week about that never before. And I sensed in my spirit God was not saying no one's ever experienced it before. But it was you and I have never experienced supernatural increase as we're about to experience Now, I've experienced supernatural increase many times. In fact, it began back in the early 70s when I first came to the Lord, shortly after I first came to the Lord. And I'll relate a couple of those things here as we continue. But I'm expecting supernatural increase like I've never experienced before. And the ones I have experienced, they've been great. They've been awesome. Praise God. But the best is yet to come. Can you say amen to that? Psalm 115 is the verse that we have used to lay a foundation for this. Verse 12, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So notice from the word of God, and we want God's word to be final authority in our lives. Look at somebody and say, God's word is final authority in my life. If God's word says he wants to increase me more and more, then as far as I'm concerned, that settles it. I'm on my way way. to increase increase more and more. And And because I really believe it, I believe I'll go ahead and give him a shout in advance. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Lord has increase on his mind. He wants to increase us more and more beyond anything we've ever experienced before. Now, I want to relate just some of the times that I've experienced this over the years, and I jotted down a few things pertaining to this this morning. Back in December 1973, when I was still employed by Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association, the Lord impressed upon me that that would be my final year to be a full-time employee. And of course, back then, Brother Copeland's ministry only had about 12 employees, And I was one of the first. So I'd been with him since about 1970, so somewhere along in there. 
And the Lord had impressed upon me to, to launch out into my own ministry. And I said to the Lord, I'm not going to do that until you reveal it to Brother Copeland. Because you said we'd be a team. And uh, I don't want to split up the team. And so we were in uh, Long Beach, California. And we finished a meeting there and we were flying back home in his little uh, Cessna Ford. No, he had a Cessna 414 at that time. We were flying back. And uh, I sat up in the cockpit with him. And after he got to his cruising altitude, he turned on the autopilot. And he reached out with his right hand like he normally did. And that was my cue to have his cup ready with a cup of coffee. I kept a, a thermos right next to me all the time. And when he reached out his right hand, he didn't have to say anything. I just poured him a cup of coffee. So he reached out with his right hand. He took a sip and he said, when are you leaving? I said, when am I leaving? I'm going all the way with you. He said, no, I'm not talking about flying home. I'm talking about when are you leaving? Now, this was November, right at the latter part of November. And I said, well, Brother Copeland, the Lord's impressed upon me. It's time for me to launch out into my own ministry. And I said, but I was not going to do anything or say anything until he revealed it to you first. And he said, well, I don't want it to happen, but I know it's God. And I said, well, I, I wrestled with it when the Lord told me a couple of months ago about this. And the first thing I said to him was, you said we'd be a team. We'd spend the rest of our lives preaching together around the world. I said, Lord, if I leave, it'll split up the team. And, and of course, back then, I'd remembered meeting a few ministers who had worked with other ministers. And when they left, they, they severed the relationship. They, they hardly even spoke to each other anymore. I said, I don't want that to happen. And the Lord assured me that it's not going to happen. He said, you'll always be a team. And I said, so once you revealed it, or once he revealed it to you and you spoke it to me, then that's when I was determined to, to make arrangements to leave. I said, however, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for you in, throughout the month of December. And I want you to cut off my pay. I don't want you to pay me for the month of December. He said, why don't you want me to pay you? I said, because in one month, I'll be on my own. And I won't have your check to depend on. So I might as well get a jump start. <laughs> he said, I've never heard anybody do that before. I said, well... I'm acting on what you've taught me over the years. I'm a man of faith and I trust God. And if this is God and I believe it is, then he'll take care of me. So cut my pay off starting December the 1st. I don't want to be paid for that entire month. And uh, I'm going to believe God and he is going to take care of me. He said, okay, if that's what you want. So at the end of November, he didn't pay me throughout the month of December. However, during that month, before I ever left, just a few weeks before, I was presented with an office fully equipped, everything in it paid for, and all I had to do was take over the lease. And the man who had leased that was a businessman, and uh, he said, I'm giving you everything in here. He left me with desk, uh, copier machines, typewriters, he even left the pencils and paper clips on his desk. I didn't have to buy one thing. Fully furnished. Four rooms in this office complex. Fully furnished. 
Not only that, but the Lord blessed me with $5,000 during the month of December. And uh, then Brother Copeland blessed me with all of his tape duplicating equipment because the Lord had just blessed him with some new equipment. So the very equipment that I used to use to run his tapes was now mine. When I, when I left December the 31st, 1973, and I walked into my office January the 1st, 1974, it was fully furnished. Everything was paid for. Everything I needed was right there. I didn't have to buy one thing. And I made more money in one month. All right, I came... God blessed me with more money during the month of December than I had earned the entire year working and receiving a check from Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association. I'd call that supernatural increase. I hit the ground running and I hadn't slowed down since. Amen. A man called me and he said, "Uh, Brother Jerry, I, I hear you've launched that in your own ministry. I said, yes, sir, I have. I'm sitting in my office now. I didn't have one employee yet. I'm sitting in my office and I'd walk around and sit in another office and I'd walk around and sit in another office. I'd go up front in the reception office and sit hoping somebody would come knock on my door, you know? And, uh, and then I got a call the first week I was in my office. Brother Jerry, I hear you're in your own ministry now. Yes, sir. He said, would you come to Augusta, Georgia and preach in our full gospel businessmen's meeting? I said, yes, sir, I will. When do you want me to come? He said, when can you come? I said, right now. He said, then be there next week. He said, now, while you're here, would you have time to spend a couple of weeks and let me set up other meetings for you? I said, that's God. So when I got to Augusta and preached in the full gospel businessmen's meeting, sponsored or the president was Ralph Kennedy, who became a very dear friend of mine over the years. Brother Ralph had set up meetings all over Augusta and into South Carolina and North Carolina. Everywhere I went, somebody asked me, could you come here? Could you come here? Could you come here? Could you come here? I was booked for three months off of that one meeting. Amen. Not only that, but shortly after that, God blessed me with my first debt-free airplane. Hallelujah. I'm experiencing supernatural increase. When you, when you describe that as supernatural increase, amen. So supernatural increase is not something I've never experienced before or that I'm unfamiliar with. Later in May of 1976, I received my second debt-free airplane after I had sold the first one and split the money up and gave it to two ministries, then I received my second debt-free airplane. October 1981, this was a memorable year. October 1981, I'm preaching with Brother Copeland in the East Coast Believers Convention, Charlotte, North Carolina, in the old Coliseum there. And on Friday night, or Friday afternoon after I finished my service, Carol and I went to the room to rest. Brother Copeland was to preach that night. And uh, when we got to the room, Carolyn said, are you going to lay down and take a nap? I said, no, uh, why don't you go ahead and lay down and I'll, I'll, uh, I'm just going to sit in the living room here and just relax a little bit. And I'll come wake you up when it's time to get dressed. She said, okay. So she closed the door to the bedroom 
And I sat in the living room on the sofa and uh, I just I put my robe on and I just sat there, leaned my head back and put my hands behind my head, closed my eyes for two seconds. Couldn't have been over two seconds. And I had a supernatural visitation of the Lord, my first. I didn't know it was going to happen. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't ask for it. Jesus appeared to me and he said these words. My people are experiencing financial famine. And I'm going to reveal to you the keys that will bring them out and hold you responsible for sharing them everywhere I send you. And I reached over and grabbed a legal pad and started writing down everything he said to me. Now, I had a lot of people ask me later, what did he look like? You know, I was more interested in what he had to say than what he looked like. And I couldn't tell them. But the room filled with the Shekinah glory of God. It got so thick I couldn't even see the furniture anymore. And I wrote down on that legal pad everything Jesus said to me. And it seemed like to me he was there for hours, but it was seconds. And I filled up an entire legal pad. Which proved to me that Jesus can say more in a few seconds than most men can in a lifetime. And then the door opened from the bedroom and Carolyn walked in. She said, what's happening in here? I said, I just had an appearance of the Lord. She said, what did he say? She didn't say, what did he look like? She said, what did he say? So I read everything he said on the legal pad. She said, are you going to tell Brother Copeland about this? I said, no. She said, why not? I said, well, we've worked together long enough. He'll pick it up in the spirit. I won't have to tell him. And so uh, we went over to the service that night. We sat down on the front row. Gloria Copeland on the end. Carolyn next to her. Me next to Carolyn. Charles and Peggy Capps, Norval Hayes. Brother Copeland got up to preach and he couldn't preach. He just stopped and finally he said, Jerry, God visited you today. Come tell us what he said. So I got up and then I preached what Jesus said to me. And it was taken from Genesis chapter 26. So go there very quickly. We've read this in previous services, but I want to read it to you again because this is where I learned about supernatural increase. And it's happened to me many, many times over the years. I've got a list here that I could tell you about, but I don't want to take the time to do so. But trust me, I've experienced supernatural increase many, many times. But in 1981, this is where the Lord led me in Genesis chapter 26. And it says in verse one, and there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will tell thee of. Now Egypt represented looking for another source. God wanted to be Isaac's source. He said, Don't go to Egypt. Don't lean to the arm of the flesh. I will be your source. And then he goes on to say, sojourn in this land and I will be with thee and I will bless thee. So notice God says to Isaac, if you will obey me and you stay right here in this land, I will bless you. I will be with you. And what have we learned over the years that bless means empower to prosper. Empowered to increase, empowered to multiply, 
empowered to excel, empowered to rise above what holds everybody else back. Amen. That's what bless means. And notice God said, I will bless you. I will empower you to increase even in a famine. Amen. And then it goes down to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man waxed great, went forward and grew until he became very great. Other translation says he grew richer by the day. And then he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Now notice the Lord said to me in that visitation, my people are experiencing financial famine. And I will reveal to you the keys that will bring them out. And the primary key was teach them to sow in famine. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Now, in the natural, that's not, that's not wise. Any of you grow up on a farm? Any of you know anything about farming? I was born on a farm in Mississippi, and uh, I can remember very well my, my grandfather uh, teaching me principles of, of sowing and reaping. And if there was a famine, then he wouldn't bother even sowing. Why? Because it would be a waste of seed. If you can't water the seed, it can't germinate. If it can't germinate, it can't grow. Amen. But notice God told him in a land where there was a famine, you sojourn in that land. I will be with you and I will bless you. There's the difference. There's the difference. Amen. Now, if other men would have sowed in that land without God being with them and without the blessing of God, they would have gotten nothing. But because God was with Isaac. And God promised to bless him. Then Isaac took him at his word and he sowed in spite of the famine. And reaped a hundredfold in the same year. Amen. Now at that time, I was experiencing financial famine in my ministry. And so in obedience to God, I sowed. At that time, I had 10 major departments in my ministry. And I sowed out of each department. Believing for the hundredfold in the same year. And this was October 1981. Amen. So I got two months before the end of the year. And I'm believing for the blessing of Isaac. And I sowed in famine out of every department. Ten major departments. And then Carol and I sowed personally out of our own personal money. And before the end of the year, I had reaped a hundredfold on every seed I had sown. Hallelujah. So I understand supernatural increase. And I understand the principles that will produce it. Don't ever get the idea that you can't afford to sow. No, the truth is you can't afford not to. You're such an enthusiastic crowd this morning. No, the truth is you cannot afford not to. Amen. The worst thing you could do when the conditions are not perfect as we would like them is to hold on to your seed. Wait until the conditions are perfect. If you do that, it's not likely the conditions will ever get perfect. Not only that, it wouldn't require any faith. If the conditions are perfect, 
it wouldn't require any faith whatsoever to sow. Amen. So I learned a long time ago that when I'm in my greatest need, what I have becomes seed. Amen. And we've lived that way all these years. And praise God, I'm here to tell you, it worketh. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, go to Romans chapter 15 with me very quickly. Romans chapter 15. And look at verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now that story we just read about Isaac sowing in famine. The purpose for God putting that story in the Bible was knowing that you and I were coming. (laughs) And that we would need that story. Because it's not uncommon for people today to experience famine in their finances and other areas as well. Amen. How many of you have ever experienced a financial famine? Well, just about all of us have. And the Bible says through the writings of the apostle Paul, that these stories were written for our learning. Now, if you read Genesis 26 and come away and didn't learn anything from it, then did you really read it? See, I learned something from it. It changed my life, changed my ministry. And I've been living on it ever since, praise God. So the message translation says, it keeps us alert. These stories keep us alert for whatever he will do next. I like that. How many of you believe God's about to do something next? Amen. Now let me just read from my notes here about Romans 15. I don't want to miss any of this. Taken rightly, the stories written in the Old Testament can have bearing on what God wants to do for us. They're written to give us hope for the future and the fortitude to overcome whatever attempts to prevent us from having God's best. The New Living Translation says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us and to give us hope and encouragement as we wait Patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. See, I can take Genesis chapter 26 and use it for hope and encouragement while I'm waiting for the fulfillment of supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. I challenge you and encourage you, read Genesis 26, the story we just read often for encouragement. Amen. To build and inspire hope. Now, let me go on. Don't let anyone convince you that the stories in the Old Testament are no longer valuable and of no importance to us just because we are New Testament believers. If they weren't important, then we would only have a New Testament in the Bible. I would strongly suggest you don't rip out the Old Testament. And there are people think that today. There are even preachers that, well, I don't read the Old Testament. It doesn't pertain to us. Your mama. (laughs) My Bible says, (laughs) 
My Bible says they were written for my benefit. Whose advice are we going to follow? Somebody or the Apostle Paul who was inspired by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to follow the Apostle Paul who was inspired by the Holy Ghost. I don't know who's inspiring him, other people. Well, I do. (laughs) But I want to be kind and not say it's the devil. (laughs) Paul is telling us that we should still place value on these stories and allow them to create hope in us. I'm a man of hope. I have a lot of hope today that I will experience in 2020 supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. Amen. Vine's dictionary defines hope as favorable and confident expectation. Favorable and confident expectation. It describes the happy anticipation of the good which is coming. I've got a happy anticipation. Did you notice I'm not crying when I'm talking about this? I'm joyful. I'm happy. I'm exuberant. Praise God. If Tony was here, he's my surrogate runner. I'd say, Tony, run for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, there he is. Hallelujah. I'd I'd forgotten that Tony gave Rick the assignment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Rick. I feel better now. Praise God. So once again, well, let me say this. The Greek word for hope, which is found in the New Testament, implies to anticipate with pleasure. So once again, the stories in the Old Testament should create this anticipation with pleasure every time you read them. So once again, I'm encouraging you to read Genesis 26 often as you prepare for 2020. Can you say amen? Now, let's go to the book of Job real quick. Job. Some people think there's nothing good in Job. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Notice God telling Job. Even though your beginning was small, your latter end or your latter days should greatly increase. Amen. Greatly increase would imply extraordinarily or supernaturally. Notice God's got supernatural increase on his mind. Greatly, once again, would imply extraordinarily or supernaturally. In other words, beyond the natural beyond the usual, and beyond the ordinary. That's exactly what Genesis 26 story with Isaac is referring to. God did something for him that was extraordinary, supernatural. How many other people you ever heard of sowing in a famine and reaping that kind of harvest? In fact, it was such a great harvest, the Philistines stood on the other side of Isaac's property and envied him because theirs was scorched, had no crops, zero. And they could see that Isaac's crops were high and fruitful and flourishing and they envied him. 
That's what a lot of people are going to do who don't know what you know coming in 2020. They're going to envy the supernatural increase that you're about to experience. Give the Lord another shout in advance. Hallelujah. Amen. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. The message translation says, you'll end up better than ever. The complete Jewish Bible says, your future will be very great indeed. Look at somebody say, I got a bright future. And so do you. You should be shouting, praise God. Amen. Now go with me to Job chapter 42. And let's see if God's word is dependable. If we can rely upon it. God told Job he was going to increase greatly. Job 42.10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now the Bible says in Job chapter 1 that before all the attacks came, Job was the wealthiest man in all the east. The wealthiest man in all the east. Now God has supernaturally increased him and his assets are now twice what they were before the attacks. I've studied restoration throughout the Bible. And twice fold is minimum. For God to double your assets is the lowest level. Hallelujah. So I like restoration. I used to be in the restoration business. God still is. Hallelujah. So God increased Job. Gave him twice of what he had before all the attacks came. And then notice it says, So the Lord, verse 12, blessed the latter end of Job. Isn't that what he promised to do in Job chapter 8, verse 7? God blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand she-asses. If you go back to the first chapter, that's exactly double of what he started with. So can we depend on God's word? And if God tells us he wants to cause us to increase in 2020 more than ever before, and we have stories from the Old Testament that proves that God is dependable, and stories from the Old Testament that show us that there is hope for us and it encourages us. If God did it for Job, then God can do it for Jerry. Hallelujah. Or whatever your name is. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know. God seems to be partial with names that start with J. Job, Jesus, Jacob, Jerry. Hallelujah. All right. Now, are you still with me? Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 2. Now, I want you to make a note of this verse. Isaiah 51 and verse 2. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Look unto Abraham your father, 
and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Look unto Abraham. Now see if those stories in the Old Testament were not of value to New Testament believers, we wouldn't know what happened to Abraham. Amen. Amen. So the Bible is telling us, go back and read these stories. They're there for a purpose. Amen. They're not there because God couldn't think anything else to put in the Bible. They're there for encouragement. Amen. I've had people tell me, don't preach so much from the Old Testament. Well, go in the car. (laughs) Don't stop me. If you don't want to hear it, go in the car. (laughs) Not trying to be ugly, just... I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Those stories are of value. Amen. Every time I read them, they encourage me. Every time I read them, they build hope. Amen. If God did it for them and he's no respecter of persons and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then why can't I expect him to do it for Jerry? And he's already done it numerous times and I believe the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice God called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And then verse four of that same chapter, Isaiah 51 says, hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me. And the message translation says, because revelations come from me. Revelations come from me. What God is encouraging us to do is make his word final authority. Amen. Somebody asks you, you don't really think you're going to increase in 2020? Just, just learn to ignore that. Turn a deaf ear to it. I've got to where I can look at people right straight now, put a smile on my face, and never hear another word they say. <laughs> if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Just make them think I'm listening. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Some of you sitting in here right now thinking lunch while I'm talking. (laughs) You can do it. You can turn me off. Amen. Let the word be final authority. Now, let's, let's take a look at something in Genesis chapter one. And you might want to write this down. Make sowing your lifestyle. And you'll always be a candidate for supernatural increase. Make sowing your lifestyle. And you'll always be a candidate for supernatural increase. Most Christians don't realize that from the very beginning, God intended for man to be a sower of seed. Go there to Genesis chapter 1 with me very quickly. Verse 27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. And God blessed them. Wow. Very first day, God blessed them. Empowered them to prosper. So that reveals to us, because Genesis is the the law of beginnings. So that reveals to us that from the very beginning, that God created man and put him on this planet. 
His intention was for him to experience increase in every area of his life. Amen. God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that that moveth upon the earth. Now look at verse 29. And God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed. Notice this is day one. God blesses them. And the next thing he does is give them dominion and authority. And the next thing he does is bring them seed. Every herb bearing seed. And he goes on to say, for you it shall be meat. Other translations say provision. Seed is for provision. Ask the farmer if he believes that. Yes, he does. Seed is for provision. Real farmers, I'm talking about they farm for a living, don't do it for a hobby. Amen. Amen. Provision. Yes. Not only for their household, but if they sell it at the market, like my grandfather did, he took portion of our harvest to the market and sold it. Why? Provision. Amen. So notice God is introducing this concept to Adam of the law of seed time and harvest. And it started day one. Glory to God. Amen. Now, God intended for man to be a sower. It shall be unto you meat. And meat implies that which provides nourishment, comfort, sustenance. Support and provision. And notice once again, God gave man seed as a means to make this happen. So he'd be provided for. Sowing seed was God's way of providing for man. Giving him seed. You say, well, I don't have seed. Yes, you do. Well, I don't have any money. Well, you're not limited to money. Because if you study your Bible closely, your thoughts are seeds. Your words are seeds. Your actions are seeds. This is the way God created man. Man was to be a seed sower in every area of his life. His thoughts. His words. Mark 4 says the sower soweth the word. His actions. I can prove to you in the book of James. When Abraham offered Isaac. It says his faith and his works or his corresponding actions made his faith perfect. So actions are a seed. Words are seeds. Thoughts are seeds. If you don't have any money, don't go around saying, I don't have any seed. Yes, you do. If nothing else, you can walk up to somebody and give them a pat on the back and tell them you love them and appreciate them and maybe do something for them physically. I don't have any seed if I had, I mean, I don't have any money. If I had some money, I'd give it to you, but I'm not without seed. Could I mow your grass? I don't want to do that. Well, then go hungry. What would you be willing to do? 
Sometimes you have to be willing to sacrifice. Do things you don't really want to do. Amen. I didn't have any money when I first heard Kenneth Copeland. I was so far in debt in my business. I didn't have any money. But I wrote to him and said, I don't have any money to send you, Brother Copeland. If I had $1,000, I'd send it to you so you could reach other Jerry Savelles like you reached to me. I said, but I'm not without seed. And I'm, I'm only just a few months old in the Lord. I said, I have prayer time. That's the only seed I have. And I'll, I'll get up every morning and spend my first hour in prayer for you and your ministry. And that's what I did. That was my seed. But praise God, it wasn't long after that. I put that first thousand dollars in his hand. The Bible says a man purposes in his heart what he will give. And I knew that if God would bless me with a thousand dollars, I knew where it would go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I've been sowing into his ministry ever since. It's good ground. I get great harvest from sowing into his ministry. Praise God. Amen. And I do it more than just prayer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. I had the Lord say to me back during that, that uh, victory thon they had, you know, about believing God to go on to direct TV. And I'd already sowed a seed into that of a hundred thousand dollars. And so I pretty well satisfied I'd done my part. But the last night of that broadcast, Carol and I were at home and uh, I was watching it on TV. And the Lord said, what's more important to you? Having the money to pay cash for the Falcon 50 or seeing to it that Brother Copeland's project is a success? I said, Lord, you know anything Kenneth Copeland is doing is more important to me. He said, then show him. I said, well, Lord, I thought I had. He said, no, that came out of your general account. He said, show him and take $200,000 out of your Falcon 50 account and sow it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) So Jerry Ann was on the set there with him. I called Jerry Ann or I, I text her. I said, Jerry, tell Brother Copeland that I'm sowing. I told him, tell him what he said, what the Lord said. What you're doing here tonight is more important to me than my Falcon 50. And I'm taking $200,000 out of my Falcon 50 account and I'm sowing it into this because I want you to be successful. Well, I didn't know she was going to, I mean, I knew she was going to tell him, but I didn't know he's going to get up and tell the whole world. He got up and said, I just got a call from Jerry Svell. And she, he had Jerry Ann to read it. It inspired other people to sow sacrificially. And guess what? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. From a very reliable source. My Falcon 50 is on its way. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. 
it worketh. Amen. If it didn't work, don't you think I'd be smart enough to figure it out in 50 years? But it's still working, praise God. Now, once again, meat implies that which provides nourishment, comfort, sustenance, support, and provision. So sowing seed was God's way of providing for man. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. The earth is still here. So that means seed time and harvest has not ceased. A lot of Christians today are asking God for harvest that are not entitled to it because they're not sowers. Mama. There's no such thing as harvest without sowing. Now, I want to make it very plain. When the Bible talks about sowing, and, and doesn't, doesn't it imply right here in Genesis that seed for meat implies lifestyle? It's not an occasional thing. It's not, you know, just when you're in need, but lifestyle. He was introducing to Adam lifestyle. Your life will be sustained and provided for when you become a sower of seed lifestyle. Amen. Amen. That's very important. Lifestyle is defined as a matter, a, a manner of living, and it reflects a person's values and attitudes. Lifestyle. How many of you value God's word? He says the law of seed time and harvest shall not cease. And if you value his word, then that means you're going to make that lifestyle. The law of seed time and harvest is the way you live. It's the way you conduct yourself. Lifestyle means it's how you live every day and not just occasionally. Sowing now and then or here and there does not constitute lifestyle. Amen. You know, I love reading when I'm not reading the word, when I'm not studying the word, like when I'm on vacation, a lot of times I love reading novels about courtroom drama. I could have been a a lawyer. I love reading courtroom drama. And just because I love reading courtroom drama does not make me a lawyer. I could even build a shelf in my study and fill it with law books and it still wouldn't make me a lawyer. Working on your daughter's car and changing the spark plugs does not make you a mechanic. Amen. Well, I sold back there in that believers convention in August. That doesn't make you a sower. Well, I sold but that doesn't make you a sower. Carolyn planted tomato plants in her flower bed, but that doesn't make her a farmer. (laughs) Even though she got tomatoes and she was thrilled about them. Oh, Jerry, look at the tomatoes. I said, I didn't know you were a farmer. That was hobby. That's not lifestyle. 
Amen. So sower. Jesus said in Mark 4, Behold, there went out a sower to sow. He's describing the man's lifestyle. A sower went out to sow. And what does he sow? Seed. And why does he sow seed? For provision. Amen? Provision. And how many of you know he does not sow a seed and expect him to harvest the same quantity? Because that one seed has the potential of producing, you know, one apple seed can produce a hundred apples or more. He doesn't plant one seed and think, I'm going to get one ear of corn. I'm going to get one apple. I'm going to get one carrot. He expects a harvest. He knows the seed has potential. This money in my pocket has potential. Because it's seed. It's seed. Amen. Who's been believing for $100 in here? All right. Right there. Now that just became seed. Anybody else want to play? That just became seed. I do not expect to get $100 back. I expect to get 100 times 100. And it's happened many times. Amen. So when I have money in my pocket, I don't just think in terms of money in my pocket. I think seed. 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 Hallelujah. Dear Lord, nearly every meeting I go to, I empty my pockets before I leave home. Just blessing people, especially children. Because they grow up to become partners. Oh, yeah. I bless, I bless children all the time. That's the reason I carry money in my pocket. It's potential seed. And I've sown seed into children all these years I've been in the ministry. And they grow up to become partners. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, now listen to this. I know my time is six minutes over, but I'll give it back to you when we get to heaven. Listen to uh, Proverbs 11. This is important. Verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it leadeth to poverty. And notice he's saying, if you hold on to your seed when you should be sowing it, It can potentially lead to poverty or lack or famine or want. On the other hand, it says there are those that scatter. In other words, they get up every day. It's lifestyle to them. Lord, where do you want me to sow some seed today? Lord, lead me to where I can sow some seed today. Hallelujah. And the Bible says they scatter and yet increaseth. So we're learning a principle here from Proverbs 11 on how you can experience increase for your life. All the days of your life. Amen. It goes on to say the liberal soul shall be made fat or prosperous 
And he that waters shall be watered also himself. The Passion Translation says, generosity brings prosperity. Those who bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. I like blessings being heaped upon me. That sounds like Deuteronomy 28. Blessings will come on you and overtake you. How many of you would like to have blessings heaped upon you? Amen. No wonder, no wonder the, the Hebrew word uh, blessing, one of its meaning is weighty, weighty, heavy, loaded. Hallelujah. That's probably where we got that expression. That guy's loaded. Second Corinthians 9, 7. No, let's back up to Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So this is telling us that whatsoever a man soweth, God allows you to determine what you will sow. Now there are times when he will impress upon you a certain amount or certain seed to sow. But most of the time, he will allow you to determine what you will sow. The Amplified Bible says, for whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will reap. So you can actually determine the seed you sow. Second Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give or so let him sow. So notice God is allowing us to determine the seed. I don't always have to wait for God to tell me what to sow. I'm a sower. It's what to do, man. It's what to do. I can make up my own mind. Now, once again, he may impress upon me to do something. And I'm certainly going to be obedient to him. But I'm not waiting for a glory ball to hit me in the back of the head. I'm not waiting for... A Holy Ghost jerk. Ooh, ooh, God just told me to give a thousand dollars. Ooh, he just said two thousand. Ooh, four thousand. I'm not waiting for a Holy Ghost jerk. I'm not waiting for a glory ball. I can decide on my own. Amen. And most of the time I do. Where'd that come from? But just like I said a few moments ago, God just interrupted me while I'm watching with Carolyn, the television broadcast and said, give $200,000 out of your Falcon 50 account. That was, that was a, a, a supernatural manifestation. But, but, you know, notice I didn't argue with it. I was willing to do it. And I purposed in my heart right then to do it. And the next day, the check was sent over there, praise God. Hallelujah. So God will allow you to determine what seed you sow. Now listen to this from 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the message translation. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Isn't that great? I want each of you, this is from the Apostle Paul, inspired by God. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind what you will sow. 
what you will give. Now, that's very important. Remember that. Man, I've got so much more, but I don't want to take up your time all day. Good Lord. You got time for a couple of more verses? Oh, I was hoping you'd say that. Praise God. Not only will God allow you to determine what seed you will sow, but he also allows you to determine the kind of harvest you will reap. Second Corinthians verse six, chapter nine, verse six. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And the message translation says, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. So notice you determine the seed and you determine the harvest. Well, that's the way God created man from the beginning. Now, here's how Jesus said it. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all or measure out, it shall be measured to you again. Notice Jesus is saying, you determine the measure. And what you determine to be the measure, that's what God will take and measure back to you again. I like the way Brother Copeland said it one time. If you measure out in, sh- in, in you know, little toy shovel loads, then it's going to come back to you in shovel loads multiplied. If you, if you give out in dump truck loads, then God will use dump trucks as the return. You got it? So you're the one who determines the seed. And you're also the one who determines the harvest. Glory to God. And I determine my harvest by what God's word says. If God's word said, and he shall receive a hundredfold in this life, that's Mark 10, 30, then I'm going to expect maximum harvest. And I don't care how many other preachers don't believe in the hundredfold, I do. Well, like one preacher asked me, very well-known preacher asked me, well, Brother Jerry, have you received a hundredfold on every seed you've sown? I said, not yet, but it ain't over. It's not over. I'm not giving up on it. Hallelujah. I have received a hundredfold many times. In fact, when Carol and I first started out, tenfold wouldn't help us at all. We needed a hundredfold. We had to learn to believe God for a hundredfold or else... Amen. Amen. Are you still here? I'm wrapping it up now. Soon. Before dark. Now listen to this. I read a story one time about a little boy who was in a meeting in England, sitting under the ministry of the famous John Wesley. And this little boy was so moved by John Wesley's sermon that he gave his best offering, which was one shilling. That's a long, long time ago. That little boy was so moved by his message 
that he wanted to give something to God. And he took the one shilling that he owned himself and gave it into the offering. 20 years later, that same boy, now a young man, told Reverend Wesley that God is a very good paymaster. I am now worth 20,000 pounds. Now, 20,000 pounds, you know, in today's economy, that's a lot of money. But the little boy himself, being inspired by the word of God, gave one shilling. And God honored that little boy's faith. And 20 years later, he was, he, he owned, or he was worth 20,000 pounds, meaning you can never outgive God. Now, here's what a great theologian of the past once said. The liberal person will ever be blessed. God himself will oversee his estate. I like that. The liberal person will ever be blessed. For God himself will oversee that person's estate. He also added, God's favor will always be part of this person's reward. Oh, that rung my bell. Anytime I see favor, praise God. Now remember this. Your seed establishes a point of contact for releasing your faith. And God always honors faith. Not only does it establish a point of contact for releasing your faith, but it also causes your faith to be made perfect. In James chapter 2, verse 23, talking of Abraham when he was willing to offer his son Isaac, it says from the Amplified Bible, well, in the King James, it says his faith was made perfect. In the Amplified, it says his faith was completed and reached its supreme expression. When Abraham took Isaac, his seed, and turned him into a seed. Wow. He offered him at the altar. So Isaac being the seed that God had promised Abraham and Sarah, he now takes Isaac, which he's now a young man, and he lays him on the altar and turns Isaac into a seed. Believing what God had promised, that from your seed will come a mighty nation. He laid that one boy on the altar as a seed. And God raised him. When Abraham, you remember the story, raised his knife to slay the boy? The angel appeared and said, Abraham, do your son no harm? And he provided a, a ram in the thicket. What was on Abraham's mind when he raised that knife to slay him? He was totally convinced. God is not a man that he should lie. If God said this seed will produce a mighty nation, dead boys can't do that. I may have to slay him, but I will walk him down this mountain when it's all over with. Amen. And from that one seed came a mighty nation, which you and I are part of. We're Abraham's seed. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Glory be to God. I'm telling you folks, seed time and harvest works. Now here's what it says. Abraham's faith was completed and reached its supreme expression when he offered Isaac, turned him into an offering. The Passion Translation says, his action cooperating with his faith 
And by it, faith found full expression. All right, here's my last close. The Lord impressed upon me this morning when I was praying. To go over all this with you. To lay this foundation. The next time I speak here will be, uh, what date will it be? January 19th. The next time I speak here will be January the 19th. I want to challenge each and every one of you. Now, here's, here's what I do. Every year, I sow a special seed, believing, or sowing it toward the fulfillment of that prophetic word. I've never asked you as a church to do this before. But I was impressed to the Lord this morning as I was praying. January the 19th, when I speak here again, Above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, bring a point of contact seed to believe for the fulfillment of the prophetic word for 2020. Supernatural increase beyond anything you've ever experienced before. And we're going to have a special service where we pray over that seed. This is, this is not your tithes and offerings. This is above and beyond. I do this every year when I receive the prophetic word and I, and I, and I, I put it in my heart. I say, Lord, I receive that. The next thing I do is I, I sow a special seed toward the fulfillment of that. And every year it comes to pass. What happens when you sow a seed, mix it with your faith, your faith reaches supreme expression. How many of you know that God has bound himself to honor your faith. And wouldn't you think when it's reached supreme expression? Hallelujah. So write it down. We're not going to do it now. Write it down. Dece- uh, January the 19th. When we are able to come and speak to you again. We're all going to bring a point of contact seed. To mix with our faith for the fulfillment of the prophetic word for 2020. I believe this is going to be a spectacular service. And I'm believing, praise God, that by the next week, whether I'm here or not, there are going to be testimonies of supernatural increase. Hallelujah. Are you prepared for that? Lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I prepare myself right now to mix my faith. Along with my seed, so that my faith will reach supreme expression. And I'm believing once I've done this, I am a candidate for supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. In the name of Jesus, amen, and so be it. Give the Lord your best shout, hallelujah.